0: This episode of When in Romance is sponsored by Ring, by Andre Alexis from Coach House Books. From their first meeting, it was clear that Gwen and Tancred were meant to be together. But as we know, course of true love never did run smooth. Gwen's mother, intuiting that her daughter is in love, gives her a magic ring that has been passed down through endless generations of mothers and daughters. This ring grants the wearer the opportunity to change three things about her beloved. Like all blessings, this may also be... Be a curse. Find ring by Andre Alexis now.
1: Hello and welcome back to Winning Romance, where we're going to talk about all kinds of romance today. I am Jess and I am Trisha. And we are recording on Thursday, September 30th, 2021. It is almost October. Wow.
0: Yeah, it is. By the time people are listening, Jess, it will be like four days into, well, four at
1: least days into October. Absolutely. Oh, and we are recording episode 91. I usually say that before. (laughs) Well, we we got distracted by October.
0: October. Here we are. Here we are. How are you, Jess? How are things? Out West, where I was a month ago and I'm not anymore.
1: Things are slightly cooler, I think. It's cool. The rain has stopped and we can finally pull all of the weeds.
0: And we have a lot to cover today. But because I have been a part of some very strong feeling debates over the course of time, I do have to ask you, do you have feelings about pumpkin spice since we're here in October?
1: <laughs> it, this is the time to have this conversation and I'll, I'll try to be brief. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I've ever had feelings, capital F, about pumpkin spice. I don't get annoyed when people get excited when it's still 100 degrees here. And I have been known to occasionally enjoy something pumpkin spice flavored, although usually baked goods instead of drinks. Same. (laughs) I think
0: we're 100% on the same page. I I have a muffin recipe that involves pumpkin spice. I'm not big on the pumpkin spice coffee, but I also don't begrudge anyone who is. No. Live
1: your best life. Live your best life.
0: All right. Well. Okay. I'm glad. <laughs> four years into the podcast or whatever, <laughs> glad we've got that figured out. It was a uh, it was a long time in coming. Yes. All right, it, folks may remember we do have a little bit of follow up before we jump into our content today. Hooray! Uh, book club. Be excited. Yay. We're Yay. very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, we did do a little bit of discussion of reading what we've got on our last episode. I'm going to ask you how you did, Jess, but it's a little bit of a cheat because you had already read two of your three books yes. before we even recorded.
1: Yes, I had. And I I probably actually finished the third one, which was uh, a lot like Adios by Alexis Daria before the episode even aired, even though that was the one that I was talking about. Because once I sat down to read it, I rarely wanted to stop. Um, and, you know, I did to eat and sleep, but... And maybe work. I don't remember. But it was definitely really exciting. And then I might have gotten a couple more in. I think I actually might have cheated a little bit. Because I was trying to just read books that I had for that time period. But then I um, might have read like a library book that came in. Or, um, you know, bought something new and started reading it. But I, I did read a lot like Adios. So... I I consider that challenge complete.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to give you one point. (laughs) Instead of giving you like a percentage, instead of putting you at 100, I'm going to give you one point. I'll take it. I'm also going to give me one point (laughs) and a half. Well, at least one. Because I did read Capturing the Silken Thief by uh, Jeannie Lynn. It was great. I definitely think I will continue the series. I'm very excited about it. I continued to read *The Ones Who Got Away* by Ronnie Lauren, and I think that one just may not be for me. We've gotten to a point where there's a lot of like, will they or won't they
1: yeah.
0: embark on a journey of physical intimacy? And I'm just kind of like, either do it or don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't care what I like, get this. So that it is a great book for a lot of reasons. It's a great fit for a lot of people. But we've just gotten to a point where like. For me, I've hit a lull, and there are a lot of books. I have not yet read uh, What We May Be by Leila Rain, but I have a good reason for that that we'll get to when we do recommendations at the end. It's because I returned to a different book. So okay. that one still isn't pending. So I'm giving me 1.5 points and you one point, which means
1: I win. I am excited for you. <laughs>
0: This is how lovely of a person you are that, like, despite the fact that I made up the scoring rules, made myself scorekeeper, and declared myself the winner, you are still happy for me and not begrudging in any way of that victory.
1: Oh, man.
0: You're a better person than anyone else I know. Oh, one other thing that we will touch very, very quickly on. I... We have talked about and many of you completed the When in Romance uh, listener and reader survey that we did a few months ago, mostly, I think, like June, July. Mm -hmm. We talked about some of those like high level uh, findings at the time. I wrote a piece for Book Riot doing a deeper dive on some of those. So if you haven't read those, do um, feel free to take a look. I will include the link in the show notes, mostly just because I think some of you might be interested because many of you completed the survey few high level takeaways from that discussion that are in there. There, A lot of you are just like taking very much control of your reading lives, which I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. You are rereading when it feels right. You are putting down and DNFing books that you do not care about. You are like not putting up with the content that you are not interested in. Totally makes sense. I'm here for it. It was interesting to read and not really surprising that there is less of an appetite for angst. Interestingly, um, less of an appetite for people who are Mm non-communicative. I think like people talked a lot about kind of transparency and communication and truth and just did not have time for anyone who is non-communicative. People obviously are having a really hard time with uh, anything related to pandemics or Mm -hmm. abuse, illness. And, uh, you know, a lot of people mentioned that they had come into the genre for the first time for you know, during the last year and a half, it had been tough. And they had found romance because of that, which is a little bit of a silver lining in what for a lot of you it is very, very clear from the survey results was a really difficult time. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I have talked about the fact that it has been for me as well. And I, so I think, you know, I'm very glad we did this. And I'm so glad that people engaged. I will link those uh, results in the show notes. And if people have questions or follow up or are interested in any of the other findings or have specific questions about them,
1: just let me know. Awesome. Thank you so much, Trisha, for doing that extensive and hard work because it was great to have been done and it kind of needed to be done. And you are great at data. I am not. So... (laughs) This podcast is
0: so good for my self-esteem. We should, <laughs> we should make it a weekly podcast. <laughs> Let's just... No, it was actually, it was genuinely, it was really fun. It got to scratch like a part of my brain. That's not a thing that people say, but stick with me. It, uh, it, was, it, it, was, it was fun to get to sort of think about statistics and data in a way that I have not for a while. So it was really fun. And, and like I said, we wouldn't have been able to do it if
1: folks hadn't filled out the survey. So thanks for doing that. Yes. Thanks, everyone who did it.
0: Jess, I'm so excited to talk to you about office hours, but before we do, I feel like we should talk about Radish Fiction.
1: Yes, let's thank you to Radish Fiction for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you'd like a taste of what you can find on Radish Fiction, keep listening. Sadie Sawyer made me a proposition, and my jaw hit the floor. She's my sister's best friend, the girl I've known since grade school. Totally off limits and now she wants me to give her a very surprising education. There is one rule, and it sounds simple. Don't fall in love. Hmm. But the more we experiment, the more I want more. We might have a real shot if our own rules, her loser ex, and my past don't ruin everything. Uncover the shocking proposition that rocks this friendship to its core. Read Swallow Me Whole on Radish. You can read this on the Radish app for free. You can take this and plenty of other stories with memorable characters and tempting plots by talented, award-winning women authors. And you can get deals on paid content as soon as you sign up. So check out Radish Fiction and read all you want.
0: Hooray for free stories.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of stories
0: and hooray for them, Jess, I am so glad that you recommended Office Hours by Katrina Jackson for our third 2021 Wedding Romance Book Club book. I loved this book.
1: Right. Spoiler
0: alert. I loved this book. I know I said that in the wrong order. But I don't know. I don't know what you thought. I yeah. I I'm just going to start there. I'm gonna, resolved. Office Hours by Katrina Jackson is wonderful.
1: I I second. <laughs> I don't know. Motion passes. Motion passes.
0: Okay, great. Should we move on? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do- just kidding. <laughs> I really like this book a lot. I don't know. Do you want to summarize? You want me to summarize? What do you think? Um, why don't you do it? I'll do a quick summary. You can tell me what I missed. So basically, we open on the life of Deja Evans. She is an uh, assistant professor. She teaches sociology. And the key thing about her being assistant professor is that she does not have tenure yet. That is a very big deal in academia. We will probably talk more about it. But because of that, she has to do all of this stuff all of the time. She has to be you know, chairing clubs and mentoring students, which she actually likes and seems to be very, very good at, and mm-hmm. teaching classes and prepping classes and teaching new classes and teaching different classes. And she is very, very tired. And, like, the one thing that she looks forward to every month is her faculty senate meeting because she really believes in faculty senate. Just kidding. <laughs> it's because there's a super hot history teacher there she has a huge crush on. It is Alejandro Mendoza. He is a, well he's an associate professor of history. So maybe I was wrong when I said associate professor means you're not tenured. Whatever. The point is, I don't know a lot about academia, but I learned a lot in this book. (laughs) Deja does not have tenure. Alejandro does. It creates a little bit, not not so much a tension between the two of them, but it is a difference between the two of them because she is running herself ragged, working all the time, Mm -hmm. really, really worried about what potentially, you know. Once she finds out he's got a little bit of a crush on her as well, they start to see where things are going. She's worried about what that's going to mean for them. And the book really just follows the course of their relationship, their sort of budding relationship and their careers at the university over the course of a school year. And, you know, as it turns out, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's there's some chemistry. The, the, the faculty senate meetings uh, have, have a little more heat. Than we might have imagined, Jess. Yeah, yeah. Who'd have thunk?
1: So uh, what did I miss? Um, let's see. I think the big thing about be- not being tenured yet is that she feels this like huge pressure to write. So not only is she teaching yeah. all the time... But she's like, got this like weight on her shoulders about not just finishing a book, but also like submitting articles and all of these things. And that really affects her mindset when she's alone and when she's around Alejandro. And that like, that hit me a lot. <laughs> and, and I was yeah. just thinking about when you said it just follows the course of their relationship. I hadn't really thought about that as I was reading because I was so like, tense about everything that was happening in their lives yeah that i thought about the last in romance book club book which just follows the course of a relationship and it was like oh apparently yeah. that that's our thing
0: yeah well but the yeah that one it was sort of like they were crafting and like going to pride parades yeah that's true and like texting and like enjoying each other whereas here there is no time for crafting no you cannot be crafting you have to write quizzes and grade essays and write syllabi for the next semester and it's go to lot. the
1: meeting after meeting yeah after meeting yes
0: yes and i do think if i'm not mistaken i'm scrolling down a little bit here to look i believe that this was was this a self-published book Jess? yes indie published mm-hmm. yeah i thought so which i think I love. We both love self-published authors because sometimes you just gotta take the bull by the horns and go after it. Mm-hmm. But it also impacts sometimes, you know, like your ability to hire um, a lot of editors or beta readers or any of those things, which is something I didn't really notice. I that's like my reading superpower is that <laughs> like somehow I'm able to just like overlook any typos or editing issues. I think you are better at, at picking up on some of that than I am.
1: Yeah, maybe haunted by it. (laughs) Haunted by it. That's a good way to do it. And you all know that. Like, well, you might not know, but you're gonna find out how much I love Katrina Jackson if you didn't already know. Like, as as a human, like I I, I've never Mm -hmm. met I've never met her, but we are like mutuals on Twitter, and she is writing an essay in my book. So like, I need to get that all out there. So you like as a caveat. But reading this book and reading most books like even traditionally published books that go through five or six edits I got pulled out a lot by the number of typos and wrong word usage that ha- that were occurring in this book specifically. And I actually sent you a message, Trisha, and was like, is this worse mm-hmm. than usual? Because I've, <laughs> I haven't read all of her books, but I've read a lot of them. And it just felt like this one um, might have been rushed or missed a step, or maybe I have an old copy. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it was just one of those things.
0: Well, and I also... I think probably no one should ever let me copy edit for them because, like, I the only time I've ever really noticed him and taken out of a story by something like that is when I was reading a book that was also independently published, and one of the characters (laughs) changed names for the middle (laughs) third of the book. I was like, wait, this person's mom used to be named Sheila. Like, who's Linda? Also, also his mom? Okay. All right. You know what? Fine. I'm just giving him two moms now. yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly but yeah so i mean i think we are only mentioning that as a first of all if you notice the same thing you are validated yes and secondly if you haven't read the book yet definitely definitely read it and also just keep in mind that that might be a
1: thing that happens yeah and like between you and me like people notice differently so and you know part of it is that i like I have like a seventh life as like a copy editor proofreader. Um I haven't been doing it for a while because I've been working on my own book and I'm actually in the middle of copy edits right now. But so like <laughs> I notice these things a little more. Yeah, for sure. But the average reader, maybe, I don't know, unless you have a thing about grammar, is going to just read right past them. So,
0: yeah. And we did hear from a few folks about this book. We heard about um, from Emily, who goes by A Life Lived in Books on Instagram, who is always excited about Wind and Romance Book Club, which we very much appreciate. Yes. But Emily and my feelings about this book were very, very similar. She mentioned not only how like steamy and sweet the book is, which we'll come back to, she also mentioned the academia setting and particularly the unseen work that professors do and how much extra unappreciated work is heaped on professors of color, which both of the main characters are teachers of color Deja is a a black woman and Alejandro is Latino, Latinx. I don't know that there was a preference mentioned in the book. Mm -hmm. Man, and actually the the difference between one of them being male and one of them being female and both being characters uh, of color comes up kind of towards the end. I don't think that's a spoiler. Mm -hmm. But she mentioned as well the the sort of stress that that Deja is under. And I think we're going to get back to that too. But you also heard from Kat, Jess.
1: I did. I heard from Kat, who is actually um, a friend. Hi, Kat. Who sent me a, a nice email about um, her reading of the book. And, you know, I, it was funny that she... Her first thing was like, I was thinking this is unrealistic when they first took up because I was kind of having feelings about that, too. I was like, would they, would they really? But then she says, but you know what? This isn't all that far off from when I first started dating my husband. And I was like, see? People who live in real life sort of just kind of clash, and it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if they've been having you know dual unrequited uh, like of each other from across the, from across the quad, or I, I don't think it was a quad. In this one. I think it was like an oval, right?
0: I mean, I like across the quad. Let's just call it that
1: across the quad. And it can also express a joy of a great supporting cast, which I think Katrina Jackson is always good at. But uh, Tony and Marie are are really yes. the best. Like, and that's what she called them, the best. Um, <laughs>
0: And they are friends of Deja's who are also teachers at the school, professors at the school. Tony, if I'm remembering and understanding right, is sort of more experienced and I think maybe has tenure. Mm -hmm. And Marie is actually just adjunct and so doesn't even have like a full time contract yeah. Well, I shouldn't say a contract, but like she doesn't have a. I <laughs> clearly don't understand exactly how academia works, but she doesn't have. I mean, I think you could say a contract. Yeah. The, she doesn't have like the, the kind of security that even comes with being a non tenured associate professor.
1: Yeah. She has to like interview for basically her own job at some point. Yeah. Because academia is ridiculous at that. One thing that Kat mentioned that I hadn't even really thought about is that the text doesn't really linger too much over the descriptions of either of their appearances. Like, you you have, like, sort of a general idea of what these two people look like. But, you know, like, Alejandro is a fine-ass man, and Deja is a beautiful Black woman. And, like, really, with the exception of little bits, of, like, especially when they're, like, looking at or touching each other, you get like little info about the curve of a waist or the curl of his hair or something like that. But like, that's kind of it. It's just from each of their perspectives. And that's all you really need. And that was like a, a really great insight that I didn't notice at all when I was reading. So thank you, Cat. Yeah, I think that's such a smart
0: insight. And I think it has I think that kind of feeds into something that I just like could not stop thinking about this book, which was how sexy it is. Mm -hmm. And not in like a they're constantly naked and like doing things to for and with one another. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of that. Yes. But also, just like the way that she describes those kinds of things, right? Like the way that each of them sees the other and is attracted to the appearance of the other. But also just the way like a small touch here or there, Mm -hmm. or even like an offer of help and support, you know, like it it just there is clearly so much chemistry between Mm -hmm. these two people, but they're also very comfortable with each other. And it's like I said, it's just incredibly sexy. And like, even when they're like hanging out in sweatpants or when they're on a date and she falls asleep. And you know, like it's and like, he finds it incredibly charming as opposed to, you know, any kind of a turnoff, you know, like, it's just those kinds of things. This book is just, I don't know, it's very sexy in like a fun and hot kind of way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's all that chemistry. And the only discomfort either of them really expresses about being around each other is Deja's Fear of like being visibly in a relationship affecting her chance at tenure, which, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, if you're not an academic and you're like, that's what? But like, it's very clearly... Presented in a way that you're in her feelings with her and you're like, oh, no, watch out because somebody's going to say something and this whole thing is going to explode. Yeah. But when they're alone together, when they're on dates or eventually like past that, there's just so much sizzling between them like the looks that they i like one of the things about the sexiness of them in any situation is they're like sharing looks from five feet away and you're like the whole room just burned down like even mm-hmm. even though the book is from either of their perspectives like you can still mm-hmm. feel as an outsider like if no one else was there they'd They'd be all over each other, which is fun in the in the situations where their friends are around and commenting on that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And giving them a hard time
1: about it. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. But yeah, there's totally that like sizzle.
0: Well, and you mentioned just the way that and this is I think this is probably where we're going to start to veer just a little into spoiler territory, not necessarily major spoilers, but, you know, see how you feel, make your own adventures. Mm -hmm. choose your own adventures whatever (laughs) you're with me make your own decisions so i think there are kind of two sort of areas of tension not like between the couple but just sort of in the book of where the conflict could arise Mm -hmm. the first is like you were talking about there's she's very concerned that if people find out that they're dating that they will judge her unfairly, even if they're not technically doing anything wrong by university standards, mm-hmm. they will take her less seriously in her pursuit of tenure, which is a very legitimate and serious concern, particularly given that she is also a woman of color and trying to, you know, navigate a system that is not supportive of, of women of color mm-hmm. and black women in particular. So I think there's that. I also think that there is a little bit of like, Tension around the fact that she is so stressed out about her job to the point where it really feels like it is impacting her mental health. Mm-hmm. And she is lonely and she is depressed. And when they go out on their first date, like she has not been out really, seemingly like on any kind of social anything mm-hmm. in literal years, like a couple of years, two or three years, but still years. And that's of the two, I feel like it's the second one that my only kind of qualm Such that I have one. The only thing that I felt was less than one hundred percent satisfying about this book is that I felt like they didn't really address. Mm. I felt like uh, Katrina Jackson didn't really address the second one. You know, like they eventually do address the first. Yeah, but like those issues around the way that her career and and the way that she is treated in her career for sure. I'm not trying to put this on on Deja at all, but the way that that is impacting her life and her health and the way the amount of time that she has to build her relationship that felt to me like it got a little bit left behind mm-hmm. at the end of the book
1: i can see that and you know like there are like this is also like vaguely spoilery but um, you know we're talking about the entirety of the book you know later on in the book you know, it's not so much about her figuring out how to break out of that, but like how to move forward with this stuff that she thinks is so important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since we don't get to the point where it's time to actually like grant her tenure, we're sort of in this like little bubble of time where she's still working towards that. And I think if some, if somehow the story had pulled her out of that, sort of mindset Mm -hmm. it might have felt even to Katrina who in her other life is an academic that might have felt like unreal (laughs) like yeah uh, yeah that's totally fair so like if we had made it to another like through another academic year and she had gotten to the end where she was a tenured professor Maybe we would have been able to see her sort of ease her way out of it, but maybe this is just the start of her doing that because like that's something that I totally didn't think about. The fact that even her friends, like her, the people who are, have her back the most outside mm-hmm. of her romantic relationship, she just sees on campus. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't remember any, like, and I might be wrong. Please correct me if I am. I don't remember any situation in which they even talked about not Hanging out off campus, except like that one time where she was like, "When was the last time you left your house?" Okay, we're getting food. Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that's it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I I totally see what you mean, and maybe that's part of one of the things that indie authors have been doing really well, which is addressing that like whatever your situation is, it's not always going to be solved by beginning a a romantic relationship, you still have to like, work your way out of your own personal stuff. And I think she's starting to do that by the end of the book. I just, I don't know where it would have gone. So yeah, still unsatisfying, but I think logical. (laughs)
0: No. And I think you're 100% right. I think you have kind of presented the sort of the flip side of the way I was thinking about it. I think you are presenting the reality of this is still her job. She doesn't seem unhappy in her job. And she still needs to jump through these hoops. I think the thing that I was like, sort of had a little bit in the back of my head is that none of us ever want anyone to sort of be like, yes, she was dealing with all of these many things. But then she fell in love and everything was fine. And she (laughs) wasn't depressed anymore. Yeah. You know, like that's like a happily ever after does not cure someone of of their challenges, but I think you're right, and I think now that you've kind of talked it through, I I agree that even though she still had to deal with a lot of these things, the support that she was getting, both from her friends and from uh, her now partner, and also just from kind of asserting herself in some ways that we see at the end of the book,
1: mm-hmm. I
0: think I think I'm okay. I'm, I'm with you now. Okay. I'm, I'm more satisfied. Hooray! More satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know what else
1: would you what else would you like to say about Office Hours? Oh, gosh, this was a really great standalone. But I sort of wish that I knew for a fact that maybe Katrina would be considering writing more in this universe, because I really like everyone involved. Um, Except for the people that we're not supposed to like. Uh, Obviously. (laughs) So but I don't know if that's going to happen. But yeah, I agree. I would love to
0: see some of the secondary characters get their own stories
1: if and when that time
0: should ever arise. I will be happy to return to uh I don't think it's unnamed university. It's it's not. I think there has it may, there might be a name for the university, but small town Indiana college mm-hmm. along with all of our friends out there. But yeah, no, and I and I will just the last thing that I will say about this, too, is that I thought I am I, glad that you pointed out that Katrina Jackson is a uh, works in higher ed as a university professor in her non romance writing life, or maybe part of her romance writing life, because I thought a lot of what and I, I only have a limited experience myself, but I spent a couple of years working professionally in student services and student life for a, a small college and A lot of what she said really resonated to me and I have some friends who work in academia and based on their stories, it also felt very correct. So I thought that this book had a lot of good academic and academia background, but not ever like too much that I got mired in in the details. I, I thought it was a really good setting. I would love to return
1: to it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, my familiarity is more with um, tenure track librarians, which is a thing on Mm -hmm. academic campuses. I did not know that. And it involves a lot of a lot of similar stuff, actually more writing, because there aren't always classes to teach, although academic librarians are expected to do that as well. So (laughs) here for it. Yeah, I, I, I felt I felt every every word of this book, except maybe the the office sex because that's ooh, I can't could never imagine because <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> when you
0: share an office with multiple people it's uh, a little less a little less appropriate <laughs> a,
1: little, a little bit less yeah Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, well feel free to continue to send us what you all are thinking about office hours by Katrina Jackson we would love to hear it uh, and thanks to those of you who did we have one more women in romance book club book to read This year, so we will settle on a date on that one and, and, you know, close the year out strong before starting with a whole new selection in 2022. Absolutely. All right, before we get into some fall, autumnal, October, etc. recommendations for you, I would love to talk a little bit about Carved in Stone by Elizabeth Camden. Carved in Stone is the start of a new trilogy featuring members of the Blackstone family, a powerful clan who earned their fortune as bankers in the Gilded Age New York City. Gwen Kellerman is a widowed heiress who has withdrawn from the family's tragedies and scandal to live a quiet life of seclusion as a botanist at a small college. Lawyer Patrick O'Neill accepts a case that is sure to emphasize the Blackstone's legacy of greed and corruption, that Gwen is tasked with getting him to drop it. But as they navigate a burgeoning attraction and growing danger, and the case takes a shocking twist, he is the only ally she has. Mm. So check out Carved in Stone by Elizabeth Camden. It's an opposites attract romance between a refined American heiress and an Irish immigrant who has clawed his way out of poverty to become a lawyer for the downtrodden. There's a whole little known and fascinating history behind the United States Steel Corporation and its creation, and you can find all of that in Carved in Stone by Elizabeth Camden. Alright, Jess, I think we have time for a few recs. Let's let's try. Yeah. So Jess recommended that maybe we talk about some books that are a little spooky, kind of in that October spirit. And I don't know that my, I don't know that I have, well, I could talk about The Widow of Rose House by Diana Biller, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure that I have hit the maximum number of times that a person is allowed to talk about a book. I might have like a golden ticket get out of jail free card, but I'm not going to use it now. So I will not be talking about The Widow of Rose House by Diana Biller, which is a book you definitely should read. (laughs) So mine, I think Jess, are not so much spooky as kind of like you know thrillery or like misty or like gritty i don't know let's 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 jump in and see how we do what 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 would you like to recommend to the good people here in this this fall this autumnal season what is what is your sort of non-pumpkin spice caramel apple cider you know version of this season what what are we talking about here
1: well Interestingly enough, I sort of forgot we were talking about Office Hours when I decided my first pick. (laughs) And so if you enjoyed reading Office Hours, I recommend you try The Tenant by Katrina Jackson. If that author name is familiar, it's because we just finished talking about
0: her. As just mentioned, she has a love for Katrina Jackson.
1: I do. And uh, The Tenant is uh, very different from Katrina Jackson. If you become a Katrina Jackson fan, like I am, you will notice that she can write almost anything. And uh, this particular book is a ghost romance. And when I say that, I don't mean like some books that we've read in the past few years, in which the ghost is not actually a ghost. This is a legit ghost romance between a living person and a ghost who is haunting a house. The
0: thing when the ghost doesn't turn out to be a ghost makes me so mad. So I'm actually very glad
1: to hear this. Yes. Please continue. I was, I, I started out like really nervous. It's like, how is this going mm-hmm. to end well? But she wraps it up. Well, I'm, that's all I'm going to say. But so Noel is working a dead end job. And I think he actually gets fired in the first chapter in Atlanta when he discovers that he's inherited his great aunt's house in Louisiana. So he, you know, packs up all his stuff since he doesn't have a job or a life or friends to deal with and heads on over. And when he gets to the house, he realizes it needs a lot of work. Um, And actually part of his part of the will is that he restore it. So he's got this kind of creepy house and everyone on the block is so curious about that house because it's like, that place is haunted. We know it's haunted, but we don't really know it's haunted. Is it really haunted? Noel finds out it's haunted by Ruby, whose life we get to experience both in the present and in the past. And I'm going to give some content warnings about Ruby's experience in the past, both with racism as well as violence. There is no sexual violence, but there is like actual violence done to her, which is why she's a ghost now. (laughs) Um, But so she is like, this is my house. Why are you here? And uh, they figure out how to cohabit in the house. And there's other things that happen, but you just have to read it to figure out how the romance actually begins. All right,
0: my first pick is a book called *Her Other Secret*. It's part of a two-part duology, at least as far as I can tell right now. The other book is called *The Secret She Keeps*. The secret she kept. The secret she keeps. Both are by Helen K. Diamond, who we've talked about before Mm -hmm. on the show. And these are like they're sort of romantic, suspensey, thrillery kinds of books. And part of the reason that I feel like they fit this part, this conversation is because they take place in a small island off the coast of Washington State, which is where I grew up, so I totally understand this. (laughs) And it is dark and rainy all the time. Uh. And, like, there is this, like, it was a dark and stormy night kind of setting. They're also very clever and witty and fun, but, like, they're – you just have this sort of sense of unease because at certain points, things are so stormy that they're cut off from this island and they can't – like, boats can't come in, planes can't come in. It's just the people, mm-hmm. which you'd be like, oh, cool. Maybe that's relaxing. It's not. Because at one point at the beginning of Her Other Secret, a man in a full suit walks up onto the island from out of the ocean <laughs> and then disappears into a forest. And God bless her, Tessa, who is one of our main characters, instead of calling the police, calls Hansen, her sort of like frenemy, but whatever you call that when it's like a romance, when you're like... <laughs> secretly into each other. Uh. She calls the handyman. Hansen's the handyman and she's like this is what I just saw. Well, a couple of days later, this dude who like walked up from the ocean shows up dead outside of the house where they were like hanging out and maybe spending a little bit of quiet cuddling time together. <laughs> Whatever. So, then you've got this mystery, how did this person end up dead? Why was he walking in a full suit out of the ocean? There's a lot going on. It's very, like I said, very like mysterious and Cold and dark and rainy, and I really liked both of these books, but the first of the of the duology is her other secret by Helen K. Diamond. Oh man, that sounds like creepy, like all of that yeah,
1: yeah, it is
0: It's not pumpkin spice latte. It's definitely more of a yeah different kind of fall, yeah, so you know, yeah,
1: well, the second book that I'm going to recommend is a book that has a term. That I don't tend to use because I don't like it. But if you are a reverse harem reader, you will enjoy A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor by Catherine Moon. And it is a book set in an indeterminate time. I think it's like either Victorian or Edwardian-ish. Like there's a gramophone and some like hysteria style vibrator use but I don't I really had trouble figuring out when this book is set but anyway regardless of that it is like it's really fun so you don't really care about being unsure about stuff but it is obviously about a young woman who is working as a maid and is invited to become a lady of Rooksgrave Manor. <laughs> sure. where Which caters to a very specific kind of clientele. And the, the world in which it's set is kind of one of those with like dual peepers where there are people who know about monsters and there are people who don't. So this manor is a place that where gentlemen of certain persuasions aka monsters can go and enjoy themselves sure and also maybe have some fun sex well um so that's the setup of of this story (laughs) where she goes and it's like okay cool and then of course there are all of these different monster type gentlemen who are interested in her and uh, there's a big mystery that happens at the manor that they all have to sort of come together to figure <laughs> out so there's <laughs> oh, there's there's like they a have sphinx. to come together
0: to figure it out just
1: yes okay. yes they do um mm. in more ways than one mm. i knew you were going to catch that i was trying nope. to just move past Nope. It, but of course good try though i appreciate nope. the effort I, I do it a kid. So there's like a sphinx and an invisible man and a vampire. So there's there's all kinds of monsters and uh, they have lots of fun together in bed and out of it. But it's it was just a really, really fun, but dark and creepy book with some things that are happening that are that might kind of freak you out a little bit. So check on content notes for that. And I'm actually kind of sad that the next book in the series isn't out until May. Aww. <laughs> so. I know that that's normal, but, you know, it's just like, why aren't you writing another book now? But anyway, that is A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor by Catherine Moon.
0: All right, I'm going to give you two quick ones. One, because I've talked about it before, the other because I just picked it back up. The first is Briarly. It is by Astor Glenn Gray. Mm. Um, I talked about this one when Jen was on. You, You missed it, Jess, we missed you very much. Probably like maybe four or five months ago. It's a Beauty and the Beast retelling that happens as if instead of, you know, Belle, or whoever, whatever we call the beauty, if instead of her being sort of taken captive by the manor and the beast, if her father actually stayed and and did that instead, he's dealing with a dragon. This book, the only reason I mentioned this book, it's it's very gentle and kind. And so it doesn't have the kind of darkness that we've sort of been talking about, but it is kind of like misty and mysterious. Mm. And just like, Just really lovely. And like at one point, they talk about whether, you know, the beast having to learn, the beast who is a dragon in this case, having to love and be loved. And so the vicar, who is the the other character, gets him a puppy (laughs) to try to like learn how to love and be loved. It's just, it's wonderful. It's very short. And if sort of dark and gritty is not for you, if you want to still feel that kind of like misty, mysterious October sense, Maybe pick up Briarley by Astrid Glenn Gray. And then I'll just give a quick shout out. This is the other reason, Jess, that I did not uh, entirely complete my Read What You've Got challenge, which is that I realized when we started talking about these books that one of the books I mentioned before on the podcast that I had a hard time finishing books for a lot of the first half or so of this year. One of the books that I picked up and did not and kind of put back down and wasn't able to pick up again, even though I really liked it and really liked the author, is Big Bad Wolf by Suleika Snyder. And it's, there's a lot going on in this book. I almost like don't even want to get too far into it because I don't want us to go like wildly over time. But there's like multiple point of views. The idea behind it is that 2016 happened. There's like a lot of sort of veiled references to things. Mm -hmm. And everything kind of goes off the rails. Mm -hmm. And like, everything is very bad. Shifters have existed for a long time, but all of a sudden they have been kind of outed in a way that now there's a lot of prejudice, but there's kind of – so it's like a gritty, almost sort of like near future post-apocalyptic kind of setting. It had a little bit of a feel to me for – I want to say kind of like that Christian Bale Batman series Mm. where – It's not really futuristic. It feels very much of our time, but it's a very different of our time. And in that time, there is a shifter who is on trial for murder. He did it. He's admitted he did it. But the people that he murdered were terrible. And so the relationship is between him and the woman who is his lawyer. And a lot of things happen. They go on the run. But again, it's multi-point POV. I love like a heavy, soapy, plot-y kind of uh, romance. And this one, like I said, feels very gritty. So I, yeah, I'm excited to get back into it. I feel like it feels very much like this time of year. And again, that's Big Bad Wolf by
1: Suleika Snyder. And I will, I will let you know how it goes. I am looking forward to hearing that because that one is on, you know, my never ending list. And I, you you pushed it up a little bit there. Well, happy to do it. And speaking of books that we were really enjoying but set aside and really couldn't get back to. My last recommendation is actually that kind of book. And I am talking about it now in part because it's now available in a, an easier format. So um, The Wife in the Attic by Rose Lerner is a sapphic retelling of Jane Eyre. And it's sort of Jane Eyre-y but there is a lot of other stuff happening Um, and it's set I think a little bit forward in time I think it's uh, closer to 1900 than 1850. So you have this young woman who goes to work at a manor house and there's a vaguely charming father and actually I think his wife is known to be alive but she's kind of reclusive so we have that situation and it's it's really really creepy in this house just as she's getting accustomed to it and the people that live there and all of that so it is it is probably the darkest book that we'll mention but it does it is still a romance and I didn't talk about it before in part because i hadn't finished it and in part because it was only available as an audible original but now it's available in ebook and print so if you want to read the text you can do that now and i'm excited to pick it back up because i think part of what was keeping me from finishing it was that it's like 14 hours long yeah it's aggressive which Isn't that long in audiobook standards? Like, I've listened to 14-hour books, but this one is just, like, it's slow and creeping, but not in a terrible way, just in the way that it's put together, because it's a gothic romance, right? Sure. And I think I would probably do better with that in text. So I will tell you how that one is. (gasps) And if you're looking for some gothic, definitely check that one out. That's The Wife in the Attic by Rose Lerner.
0: Perfect. All right, well, we've given you plenty to think about, plenty to read about, plenty to email us about. <laughs> uh, and we would love for you to do that. Please always feel free to send us a note about what you are reading or thinking, or as I say in our show notes, reading and thinking about. <laughs> our email address is wheninromance at bookriot.com. You can always reach us on socials as well. I am
1: mostly on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown, occasionally on Twitter at the same handle. And I am on Twitter at Jess is reading all one word, and also on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading.
0: And we have been hearing from a lot of you lately, so we really appreciate that. Please don't hesitate to send us a note. Huge thanks, as always, to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink. Yes. She is the absolute best. You guys probably will never know how good she is because you don't hear the rough cuts of this. hmm And that is just uh, a tragedy that you don't get to appreciate that talent but jen we are so thankful for you yes we are if you get a chance rate and review the podcast it helps other people find
1: it and also we appreciate it yes yes we do and in the meantime if you are doing so happy reading